Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. And so a familiar place of Scripture where we see the depths of the riches of God's wisdom and knowledge that we don't yet know. Although, as it may appear, everything is clear and understood, but for a couple of years now, we have been focused on this place of Scripture, and within these depths, we still continue to open up what is God's mercy. Matthew 5, 45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. We together already know that this great commandment here we see the commanding verb let it be these were the first words that resounded in the universe this is the name Yahweh that you may be let it be this is the word the name Yahweh by him through Jesus Christ all things began and nothing began without him that began. And so he says to his disciples that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. To be the sons of our Heavenly Father means to command your Son to rise upon the evil and good and send your reign upon the just and unjust, just as our Heavenly Father does it. We have a Son which is called light. You will be a light. You are a light to the world. Light comes from the sun. Christ said, I am a light to the world. While I'm in the world, I am 
a light to the world. And when he left this world, he said, you are a light to the world. I give you the authority. I give you the same kind of authority. And so our sun is our light, our character that is in God's likeness, where we demonstrate the quality of God's holiness for the righteous as well as the unrighteous. This sun warms the righteous and the wicked, this sun burns them because God loves the righteous and he hates the evil. God is not tolerant. He doesn't love everyone in general. He loves only his church. And Jesus came into this world and he saved only his church. Jesus so loved his church and he gave himself for her, not for the whole world, but he gave his himself for his church, washing her with waters by the word, pure waters by the word, so she'd be holy without blemish before him in love. Apostle John in 3.16 says, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that all who believe in this world would not perish but have everlasting life. Here, it that is the meaning. That is what it said. God did not love the world itself, but anyone who believes in this world, that this one who believes that's in this world, regardless of what nationality they're from, race or whatever they wherever they may be, can receive salvation. Because God loves those who love Him and hates those who hate Him. And so this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to His students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God <clears throat> have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to, because for them, this place of Scripture confirms that God is tolerant, that God loves us as we are, and God blesses us independent of whether we are righteous or evil. He loves everyone. That's how they interpret this place of Scripture. These emissaries, these carnal men that have literally taken the keys and stand on the stage and teach the children of God <clears throat> they damage the truth. They don't reveal who God is actually, that He is holy. How can a holy and perfect God love the lawless and righteous the same way? And keep in mind, when it's talking about the lawless, this includes the devil. If God loves everyone, then He needs to love also the devil. And some pastors, Pentecostal pastors, say what? God is love. And if he does not save Satan and doesn't love or doesn't save all in general, including sinners, then he's not almighty and he's not a God of love. And so they say, we believe that God will save everybody. I told one of these uh, individuals, why is it we're suffering that we not sin, that we fight with sin? He said, you can sin, do what you want you still will be saved. If you can imagine what kind of heresy they teach and people live, uh, people go to these churches, they listen to this kind of damaged truth and of course, 
they don't have any part to the inheritance in this commandment because instead of God's holiness, they see, instead of His perfection, because His love is perfect, selective, they see rather uh, a, a soft, tolerant love toward all. Tolerance itself is a medical diagnosis that talks about uh, problems with the mind because there's it's not possible to love the lawless and the righteous the same way. You can't love a criminal who kills people and an, a law-abiding citizen the same way. But tolerant Europe today wants to force uh, you to love a pedophile as a healthy and conscious person. And what is most terrible is that the democratic midst of of this country is also being impacted by this, not even realizing this. But I believe that in this country, God will not allow this democratic, terrible filth to, to rule absolutely they like in its entirety because there's a sufficient amount of Christians that are that are sober and pray for the works of the devil to be destroyed within leadership and God will do that as it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body we stop to study the following question What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart? And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, die by the law for the law, to to then, in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, in his resurrection we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected so that in this way we can obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like how he gave it this promise to Abraham or to his seed We know that the Word of God presented in the tablets, this is Christ. And when Moses broke the tablets at the foot of the mountain coming to the nation of Israel that at this time was worshipping the golden calf, if he would not have broken these tablets, then God would have destroyed Israel at this time. He absolutely would have destroyed all. And so God showed here, he gave a revelation to Moses that Christ in this word needs to be killed for God's nation so that it could be saved. Today, many children of God worship a, a similar idol. They don't have a golden calf, maybe in, in the literal form, but they say, if you're poor, that means that you have the spirit of poverty. And so you need to overcome the spirit of poverty, bind him so that you can be rich. And this is your golden calf. People constantly want to worship this this golden calf. They don't want to honor God and consider the word of God as gold. Money for them is their opportunity to satisfy their desires. 
The covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. God's faith is not, in, is not emotions. It is not feelings. It is information that comes from hearing the word of God. Faith is from hearing. And so God's faith is the commander, he's the general. Our faith is obedience to God's faith. A, a warrior in prayer or a praying warrior, before he begins praying, he's already ready to fulfill the word that he will hear. And so by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether the peace of God rules within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy? To examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God, that is, possess the state of peace within, because a person can't perform peace if he does not have this state within himself. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed, blessed are they. I understand that some words may uh, sound a little bit unique or different, and I can explain always what it's referring to. If you can't find a mutual language with your husband or wife, then that means that you don't have the peace of God within your heart. You don't have peace. You're not able to find it because you don't want to compromise. You want to uh, prove only your point and that you're correct. And and so you you want to prove either with, uh, with complaining or with tears. And so men do it their way, women do it their way. But when you see this in yourself, then wake up and look. That means you don't have God's peace. You don't have this covenant of peace. And this is terrible. You have the word, so you can have this covenant and you're not using this word. You are taking one sentence that maybe is not everything is quite clear so that you can complain or to prove something. Often, something I am speaking about and others that are anointed by God have many angles. And when you see only one of those angles that you already know, and suddenly, when this very uh, component or subject is showing a very different angle and has very different things, and you'll say, how? Yesterday he's saying this, and today he's saying this forgetting that you have the opportunity what you don't understand you can put it upon the table of showbreads why are you not putting it there why are you complaining that means that you don't have this table this golden table you don't have God's peace you don't have the golden table where you could place what is you're not understanding there's instead of living with what we do understand we concentrate up, upon what we can't comprehend today with our mind. The thing is, what you don't understand today, it may become clear to you tomorrow. You don't need to complain. You need, don't, the mind can't always understand everything. You need your heart, but if your heart's not ready, why some understand, others don't? Have peace, it says. Have peace 
Christ says, I gave you peace, have peace with one another. Wives and husbands, children, parents, have peace with one another. Holy the saint, holy people, the saints, have peace with one another. When you have peace with one another, then all questions will be clear, clear and or clarified. There won't be any offen- offense. He, he said something r- wrong. He looked at me the wrong way. He passed me by. You won't have any of that. A person can think about something different and just passed you by unintentionally, and you think it was intentional. Someone spoke a phrase having the right intention and we inside not having peace begin to complain that means that we don't have peace and we don't have this golden table the six signs by which we need to judge of our belonging to the sons of peace have already been subjects of our study and we have been studying the seventh sign this is our ability to clothe our body or our essence into the holy or the selective love of God holy love holy is separated the word holy is separated for God separated from darkness to the light because holiness always divides separates evil from good uh, darkness from light it separates those from who love God from those who don't and everywhere we see don't don't eat with don't communicate with don't don't uh, have fellowship with avoid in scripture as it says here in Colossians but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection when we put on love then God's peace let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful and God's peace is not emotions this is the discipline of the mind and will that leads your emotions emotions they're subjective they love someone and they don't fully love another because even if a person hasn't done anything to you but for some reason you don't completely like them for some for some reason they don't have the kind of face you like the clothing you like they don't say the things the way you like them ever you get irritated by certain things what do you need to do you need to independent of this irritation you need to fulfill God's commandments if you love God then love one another your neighbor this like also don't pay attention to those things and the feelings and speak well of this person and try to invite this person to a restaurant or invite them to your house to force your feelings to follow you you need to teach your horse discipline him so that he can love what God loves. God loves us with our not sinful cons- uh, considerations. And it's, it's in, the, in our nature. And we don't like not because they're bad, just because it's not fitting in some way to us. But God fits this person. There are things that we don't like, but they're not sin before God's face. <clears throat> I want us to understand what it's talking about, where God's peace can be. It is within <clears throat> our relationships. Colossians 3.14.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. This thankfulness is friendship. This consideration of one another, compassion for one another, not spreading rumors about one another, cover 
with yourself so you not spread these bad information or rumors. This will allow the Holy Spirit uh, to create this atmosphere of peace in your heart, the state of, of peace, the stronghold of peace, and then the love of God will be poured into such a heart. The love of God can't be poured into a heart that does not have peace. Sometimes we ask, Lord, give me love. We talked about this. You can't ask this kind of thing. <clears throat> we need to love ourselves. God doesn't. God already poured out His love when we have peace. Then God's love is poured out into our heart in His favor toward us. In Scripture, the holy or selective love of God, agape, is presented in Scripture by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word of the apostles and prophets that, in essence, are the unchanging virtues of the qualities of God. Or they identify the, the quality of God, the nature of God, what kind of heart He has. This is the kind of heart He has. It is a good heart. Virtuous is good. All good comes from Him. This is virtue, which is uh, goodness. We need to show the heart of our Heavenly Father. We are His children, and in our new person, we have His program. And when we grow, then this program begins to turn on and work. From virtue, this goodness, comes knowledge in its and from its knowledge coming self-control, from self-control perseverance, from perseverance godliness, from godliness brotherly kindness, and from brotherly kindness love. And all of these seven qualities are united as this water is united here in this glass. They are balanced in a, in a, in a surprising balance with one another. There's not more of one and less of another. Everything is in a balance. All of them are in one another and they identify the truthfulness of one the other in a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart we have already studied five characteristics and have been studying the sixth this is the calling to demonstrate the love of God agape in brotherly love having this great noble component in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith literally moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life because God's peace is eternal life it moves us from the state of this complaining this all, all these uh, offensiveness and all these things it moves us into peace because what is it it passes us from the state of eternal death to eternal life from it, its eternal life into peace. As it is written, we know, as it says, not we feel, but we know because of the information that comes from the preached word. We know that we have passed from death to life. How do we know? Because we love the brethren. And to love is to fulfill God's commandments when it comes to your brother. He who, lo who does not love his brother abides in death. When we begin to bicker and speak bad words uh, to one another this is hatred and at this time we kill in ourselves our brother and shed his blood because look at what it says further whoever hates his brother is a murderer 
and you know that no murderer has eternal, eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, 14, 15. And so when a husband conflicts with the wife, the wife with the husband, children with the parents, they kill in themselves uh, their husband, their wife, their parents, because, yeah, conflicts don't, conflicts don't always come to hatred. And literally, uh, conflicts can't get to hatred sometimes to a point where they see uh, demons in one the other. We know that we have passed from death to life, as we read. Relevant to this, as with the previous components of the virtue of God and His unique for us goodness, which, which, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven characteristics of virtue, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? Third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? And in a specific format, we already looked at these three questions and have been studying question four. By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love? <clears throat> in our faith and not a falsified version of it. We have already studied the first five signs by which we can judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith and stop to study the sixth sign. It is so necessary and it is so significant that the Holy Spirit has been holding us uh, in this place in this sub, upon the subject for, for uh, many churches now, services. This is to be, the ability to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 5 through 7, let your gentleness be known to all men. The gentleness of a person is that light that we are called to show to one another and to this world. This is that candle that is to stand in that in, upon the table in the house. And this is that mountain that needs to be high and so all can see it. May So let your light shine before men so that they can glorify that Father who is in heaven. May your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The word the Lord is at hand is rapture is close. And if rapture is close, then close is also the erection of the stronghold of incorruption in our body and us being clothed into the stronghold of incorruption. And as soon as it happens, as we know, this will be the first day of the start of the week of Daniel. And at the, in the middle of this week, we will be raptured. There will be a delay, of course, as we know. Um, and we, by our own prayers, will uh, God will hold us up for another few months so that the devil would not be able to rule for a full three and a half years. So he can't rule this world from the position of the European Union. And he will have less time. He will not be able to uh, reveal himself, be, be put on the throne, because the bride will be held up. This is These are the saints whose bodies will be will put on incorruption and who will bring forth fear upon this earth for the, a little more than three and a half years.
Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 5 through 7. In the given place of Scripture, the character of the fruit of the Spirit and the quality of gentleness, by the means of which we are called to discipline our tongue, by the, by the truth that is concealed within our heart, not just to discipline so it be silent, discipline your tongue to speak what God would want you to say and what He would say if He was in the body on earth. <clears throat> this is the bridle of, of gentleness that we are to use to discipline our tongue. So we can be then a light to the world. And so this truth is concealed in our heart. Gentleness is the fruit of truth that is concealed in our heart, and it is contrary to the character of the work of the flesh that reveal itself in the quality of disobedience to the truth or not believing of the truth. It's the same thing. <clears throat> now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder. This is talking about what happens in the church. This happens in the church, and this happens with us. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which... <clears throat> I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, here are the fruits of the Spirit, contrary to the works of the flesh, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so it's an element, uh, they are all dissolved in one the other, but we're talking about gentleness. Gentleness takes all of these elements that are here and it disciplines itself. Gentleness has the ability to discipline itself with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And if we have this, against such there is no law. In other words, they came out from under the guard of the law. And until that hasn't happened, we are still under the guard of the law. Who discovers sin in our body, governing sin, and gives him power to control us, to control our body. But the new person, he is focused, he has a goal to control the body. And so he resists within our body, governing sin. Of course, with our consent, our agreement. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. And those who have not crucified their flesh with their uh, passions and desires are not Christ's. Those who are Christ's, what did they do? They crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if a person refuses to crucify their passions and desires, if they're always showing them being explosive, being upset, walking around bitter and upset, then that means they are not Christ's because those of Christ don't behave this way. They crucify, they tell their feelings that are trying to come out 
or have come out, I say, Lord, I take I take this word back. He tells the person that he that he uh, yelled at or that he expressed his anger at, forgive me uh, for this. And he, he is then Christ, because one who is Christ is one who is righteous, is one who falls, but he rises again. The ability of a gentle or meek person to not be anxious about anything when it comes to his well-being on earth is contrary to the anxieties of man who is not able to discipline the desires of his flesh. As it is written, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 Anxiety leading to the breaking of the spirit are genetic bonds of the fear of man that a person is bound with who has not grown the fruit of gentleness in the soil of their good heart because he has not prepared his heart, has not cleansed it from dead works and when he hears the truth, he either complains, he either doesn't know what's going on The reason is because his heart is not cleansed from dead works. As soon as it is cleansed from dead works, peace will reign there. As soon as a person dies for his nation, the house of his father, and for his desires. These are desires that battle. This is a controlling spirit, my egoism, my my I that, that wars in me. It is time to uh, stand upon the neck of your of your Uh, self and and discipline yourself. I remember one sister was complaining and another sister says, did you hear that she uh, she bore a self uh, yesterday and she she, she was she, uh, uh, people were surprised that she had an age was bearing but she meant uh, self meaning uh, her ego was born. And unfortunately, that person is not in our church today. So anxiety that a person is bound by who receives salvation in the format of the seed of justification but has refused to grow it into the format of the fruit of righteousness is a result of his ignorance that is demonstrated in his hard heart. Ignorance is always a hard heart. That is identical to something occult. That is contrary to the liberty of Christ. That is contained in the truth of the preached to him word called to deliver us from the slavery of sin in order to make us servants of righteousness. To be free in Christ is to be free from the power of governing sin that lives within our body. Such anxiety is testimony of the absence of the fruit of gentleness in the spirit of man, which indicates the bad soil of his heart, which he refuses to clean from dead works, so he can receive and grow the fruit of gentleness in the form of the tree of life in the good soil of his heart. This can be clearly seen when you compare the meaning that is contained in these two words, which are contrary to one another, contrary in character and in origin. Preoccupation or cares demonstrated in anxiety is disobedience to God's order, to the truth, and so forth. This is disobedience to the parents, disobedience to the authority. Uh, This is disobedience to the pastor. This is disobedience in, in any any way, disobedience to the husband, disobedience. This will find itself in, demonstrate in itself in many ways. Unbelief, disobeying the faith of God, an undisciplined tongue by the bonds of gentleness, something occult, a hard heart, a net of the evil one that a person catches himself into, 
confessing with his mouth uh, evil instead of saying uh, I will do everything because of God's strength he, he speaks the opposite and this is the path of uh, to death as well anxiety gentleness that reveals itself in a disciplined tongue is the tree of life that is grown in the soil of his good heart the obedience of our faith to the faith of God this is wisdom strength firmness and a power of the spirit <clears throat> This is uh, trust upon God in mercy and compassion for your neighbor. We can't be compassionate and have mercy for our neighbor if we don't have trust upon his God and His Word. This only happens by having trust upon God and His Word because compassion for your neighbor when he begins to speak evil against you, you are compassionate. Why? Because he is harming first himself, not you. You can't be harmed because you have God's peace. You are protected, so nothing can can intercept you or, or uh, penetrate within. But he has made himself dirty, and our goal is to help him be free, that is, forgive. Uh, this is why trust upon God is necessary the nets of the kingdom of heaven that we have caught ourselves into when we count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and we proclaim the not-existent stronghold of incorruption as existent. And we confess and we say, Thank you, Lord, that you have given me the ability to bind the old person with his deeds to eliminate power when this hasn't happened physically, but you're not looking at what is, you're looking at what God has said that you do this, you count yourself dead to sin and begin to say it because everything I will do, I will do by the words you say. The words that first you receive into your heart and then you confess with your mouth. Anxiety in demonstrating disobedience to the order contained in the body of Christ members a person to the category of lawless men who resist the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the works of the flesh into garments of an outward appearance of godliness. At the same time, the gentleness of the heart, which makes itself known in a gentle or meek mouth, is an identification of the fruit of the Spirit, testifying of the presence of the grown tree of life within the spirit of a person. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 The presence of the fruit of gentleness in a man is testimony that this person is clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ, which gives him the ability to learn to resist the words which come from his personal flesh, so that he can open his mouth and confess the faith of God that abides within his heart. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. How will I give you rest? To give you rest, there are conditions you need to fulfill. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Taking the yoke that the Father has given me, I learned from Him, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He learned gentleness and humility, having taken the yoke of His Father. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. What is this good yoke that Christ had taken upon himself? This is the word of God that comes out of the mouth of his Father, that he had taken and clothed himself with that word of God. This is the good word that abides forever. 
and I began to learn from the father because the father himself did this and he and he told me do as I do he speaks his word and he clothes himself into that word that he speaks the heavenly father he is gentle he disciplines himself with his word that comes out of his mouth he behaves only within the parameters the boundaries that he allows himself within his word as soon as he spoke a word he becomes a servant voluntary servant of his word and he is vigilant over this word so that it be quickly fulfilled but this word he always addresses to someone he doesn't just say abstractly when he was in heaven and even now when he's in heaven when he created the world when men did were not yet created and he created the world but when he proclaimed this word you know where he was proclaiming this word in what temple he is proclaiming it in the temple of his of his son and through his son did he create the world and when he created man when he created man and uh, finally reached the point where a person was a spiritual person not just a, a, a one of the flesh a, a man of the flesh can't be a temple of the Holy Spirit but when a, and when Adam sinned he off, offered him an, a, a sacrifice he accepted him God and he clothed him and that's how Adam was born from God and when Adam became a spiritual man his body became a temple of the Holy Spirit and in the temple of the body of a person God proclaims that his word that is proclaimed in the temple of this body will be fulfilled and this is the word that we accept when we hear the word we accept it and we say Lord may it be according to your word as soon as we say this and we then confess it and we thank God for what we've received God then begins to be vigilant in the temple of our body over the word that we have received and we said may it be according to your word and so the Heavenly Father has the quality of gentleness that consists in the words that he st- he states and that he disciplines himself with the son seeing his father he discipline disciplines himself with this word this is the yoke of his father and the Holy Spirit also disciplines himself with the words of the Heavenly Father and also bears this great yoke and so this yoke is not heavy it is blessed why because it gives you power of the Heavenly Father the Word of God is mighty and powerful it can literally create and surprising things people think it's talking about some kind of weight that you need to bear but Jesus is directly for my uh, my burden is light my yoke is easy burden is light it is not heavy it is not <coughs> and so when a person is very very cold for example you get very cold and they put they bring you into a a steam room you immediately feel uh, a, a a relief and you become start getting warm and you feel pleasant and and great that's how this word is it is warm it is hot it is warm it 
comes upon our cold nature that has been frozen because of governing sin and we begin to melt, Jesus says it is good, it is light. At the same time, the presence of anxiety within the soul of man is testimony revealing the work of the flesh that is in this man. It is from such people that you should turn away so that we not waste what we have been working on so that we can inherit the kingdom of heaven and the fruit of the tree of life which is grown by us in the Eden of our heart. But know this, that in the last day perilous times will come. It's talking about what will happen in Jerusalem in the midst of the nation of God, in the midst of our churches. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, and proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than loving of uh, lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 Try not to invite such people to your house and not visit them either. If you feel that with this person you begin to feel some kind of uh, freeze or cold, you feel only be with those where you feel like you're being cloaked into warmth. But when you see a freezing brother, because of his own character, don't turn away, actually warm him up. There's a difference between a frozen, freezing brother because he's fighting with sin, he hates sin, and there's a difference between one that is lawless and that is in the midst of the church and is trying to legalize sin and does not suffer from sin. They suffer because of the truth. They suffer because you don't behave as they do, that your acts, they actually discipline their, them and your form of life. And so they persecute you. And so when you uh, come in contact with such people, you need to have God's warmth. You need to come to God, run to Him to find warmth. When you come into the church, and every one of us coming to the church begins to experience that they are becoming, they're warming up, a warmth that is supernatural. We're not talking physically in our body, but this warmth is so great that even our emotions begin to melt and calm down. This is the vivid characteristic of anxious people who refuse to acknowledge that they are bound by chains of their corrupt desires with which they clothe themselves into pseudo-godliness so they do not lose their importance or their self-image or their ego. That is within their own eyes as well as those that are around them. And to test ourselves on the presence of gentleness within ourselves which demonstrates itself in our in our trust upon God and upon His Word and ex- and expectation of the salvation of this of our soul and our body we paid attention to one phrase by which we differentiate gentleness from undiscipline and wisdom from stupidity this is our ability to make our requests known to god in prayer and supplication and these requests need to be god's desire when god's desire is our desire and we reveal this uh, before god in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and why with thanksgiving if this desire is god's desire this desire he already placed upon uh, my account in Jesus Christ 
It's in my bank, but I don't have it in my hand. But it is upon my account in the bank. It is there. And so I thank him. Why Thanksgiving? Because I thank him. Thanksgiving is the check that you're writing out so you could take it from your own account. What is already there, you don't need to ask for what is not. You have it. You have healing. You have uh, what you need to be provided for, for life that's godly. You just need to take it by the way of thanksgiving. I thank you, Lord, that you have allowed me to have this little. And if more is not coming, be calm, because God will take this little and perform a miracle and will take care of you with it. The essence is not in riches, but our behavior, our relationship with God. And so to thank God is to discipline your tongue with gentleness which demonstrates itself in the desires of God identified as the will of God because praise to God can come from a pure mouth and it because one that is not of a pure mouth it can please uh, only pleases men and pleases those around you but and songs and music actually have effect on people and it has effect upon the emotional part of, of you and not your spiritual side. And so an angelic a form of music, a, a person begins to melt and say, what, what bliss this is, but this is not bliss. It's not bliss if it is from an unclean mouth. We need for grace to come from this, through the spirit and not just affect our feelings, but the spirit be sorrowful. Because if the format of such praise comes from a sinful mouth, meaning one who received the truth confesses, that's a good thing if one has received the truth and confesses, but there are people who don't receive anything or accept anything. It's enough they say that I just come and I sing, uh, that's enough for me to be saved. That's not enough. The format of such praise where we are obeying our faith to the faith of God, count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our physical body is existent. We need to sing songs with such consistency where we count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and where we proclaim the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent, where God has clothed us into garments of salvation and where we are raised to his level. It is specifically by the presence of a thankful heart that with thanksgiving opens its desire and prayer to fulfill the will of God is how we determine that we have in ourselves the existence of the fruit of gentleness. In every person it could be in a different stage, more in one, less in another. One just conceived. He received it in the good soil of his heart. He doesn't see it himself yet. But as he received it into the good soil of his heart, the earth begins to do its work, and the little growth you'll be able to see already coming coming out. And it will become light until the fullness of day, if you remember it says, until the fullness of day. All of us, we have the different 
and having this gentleness that has not been grown into full measure yet, we you also see the old nature show itself and this gentleness and this old nature always have conflict with one another inside. And we, due to our ignorance even sometimes, take the side of the flesh instead of taking the side of gentleness. We want to say the words we feel. You say, well, you think I can't say this? I also can say, and I have much I could tell you. And to prove that we somehow are more intelligent or or to prove something to someone so they don't speak again or never ever respond this way just become humble and stay silent you will shame these people that are always arrogant with their sharp tongue their tongue is actually not sharp it's just filthy and this uh, filthy tongue belittles you a wise tongue never belittles their brother in their conversation never belittles their brother drawing God's favor upon ourselves can only happen in the instant when we present our body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which gives God the proper basis to show and confirm for us his salvation whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright I will show the salvation of God Psalm 50 23 When it comes to God showing us His favor in His salvation as a response to the offered by a sacrifice of praise, when we offer praise with a gentle tongue, we offer praise with the words that God has uh, exalted in our body, the words He's exalted in our body. He becomes the guarantor of fulfilling our purpose from the attempts and pursuits of the enemy. Therefore, it is necessary for us to remember the criteria that identifies the essence and status of legitimate praise in Scripture, called to be a sign of brotherly love, the purpose that a fitting form of praise is called to fulfill in demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith, the conditions that elevate our praise to a status of legitimacy by which we can judge that we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. We already looked at the first three questions of the legitimacy of praise that we are called to demonstrate in brotherly love and now have been studying the fourth. By what signs do we judge that we praise or that that praise that we bring to God is present in the atmosphere of brotherly love which passes us from death to life. First component of the sign by which we can determine that the essence of a fitting form of praise that comes from our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is to be tested by our ability to turn to the Almighty in building ourselves into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. If you return to the Almighty If you return, meaning you will turn your face to Him. This means that this word is uh, speaking to a child of God that doesn't realize that he has turned his back to God. And this person is in need of God and calling out to God. But God says, for me to respond to you, you need to turn your face to me first. And you know how to turn your face to God. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. This is what it means. How do we turn our face to God? Bring your tithes into the storehouse. This is where your, your it starts. 
Otherwise, you don't see that evil has become, began to uh, take control and eat at your heart and your character. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. This means, this speaks of a person that had the right relationship with God and then something happened. He unnoticed, noticeably attra- uh, became uh, became uh, interested or attracted to wealth and he found reasons why he can't honor God because he somehow is not agreeing with something. Something became unclear to him. But this doesn't give you the right this doesn't give you the right not to honor God. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to Him, He will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so so light will shine on your ways. When they cast you down, and you say, exaltation will come, when one is cast down, and you will say, go, you will actually lift them a person up. Sometimes we don't understand that uh, a person is belittled in some way when you said something uh, and a person sometimes doesn't realize the words that, that they're saying are doing that. When someone says, you don't, comes to someone and says, you don't have an ear, you can't hear music, you can't sing. This is belittling and so only one who maybe can, uh, is teaching this person or one that's training can actually say this to someone that maybe you need a little more practice, but when you come up and says to the one or the other, who sings good and who sings bad? I'm just bringing forth examples here about, and so then he will save the humble person. He will even deliver one who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered by the purity of your hands. Job 22, 23 through 30. To examine yourself as to whether our body is built into a house of the Lord and the praise that we bring to God finds itself in within the atmosphere of brotherly love which passes us from death to life is to be done by the following actions. And this shall cover most likely a few services Uh, all of these uh, points. By removing all iniquity far from your tent, by the ability to lay the gold of Ophir in the dust, call the Almighty your gold and your precious silver, delight in the Almighty, and lift up your face to God. By the ability to be heard in prayer, by the ability to pay your vows, by the ability to fulfill a declared thing, the light will shine on our ways, the ability to be cast down so that you can be exalted, the ability to be delivered, by the purity of your hands. By studying the essence of each component of a fitting form of praise that comes from our pure heart, we will examine ourselves on the indication of brotherly love in our faith that moves us from death to life. First, removing all iniquity far from your tent, this implies our body, and this means to cast off of yourself our body, that's our tent, often 
it says, my tent is removed, that is our body. And this means to cast off of yourself the old man with his deeds. This is to remove all iniquity far from your tent. Cast off your off of yourself the old man with his deeds, or to put away the former way of life of the old man, who grows corrupt in its deceitful lusts. This is what it means to remove all iniquity far from your tent. This is to cast off of yourself off of your tent the old man with his deeds. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, you may not see this in you, but your husband or wife can see this inside of you. But you have, you are complete in him, it says, and you need to know this. If you are placed into Christ, then you are a partaker of the good wife. You are within such a church that has the virtue of the narrow gate, then you are within him, and God sees you in Jesus Christ, and he sees this completeness in you who is the head of all principality and power. And in Him, always in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with you, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This is Colossians 2, 8-15 in the given place of scripture casting off the old man with his deeds is circumcision that is not of man's hands where God makes an eternal covenant of peace with us which we have made with him in the functions of of the baptism of water, Holy Spirit and fire if we are circumcised with a circumcision that is not of man's hands by putting off the sinful body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ in the death of our Lord Jesus where we die by the law for the law so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected this means that praise that we bring to God is present within the atmosphere of brotherly love which moves us from death to life. Second is the ability to lay the gold of Ophir in the dust and this means to be partaker of the root of all good or to rule over money and not depend on money. The ability to lay the gold of Ophir in the dust means to rule over money, rule over silver, rule over wealth because when we rule over them then they are a blessing of God God created the earth and all its wealth and he wanted them first to belong to his children but as soon as his blessings begin to rule over us then his blessings are transformed into our idols God blessed Israel and he brought they brought out of Egypt all the wealth God blessed Israel and instead of creating the tabernacle from this wealth they created a golden calf and they said we will go back to Egypt here's the God who led us out of the land of Egypt and it it turns out money is what what was their solution 
And so to lay the gold of Ophir in the dust is to rule over money. <clears throat> Apostle Paul writes, 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 11, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Let us examine ourselves. Are we content with what we have? Are we happy with what we have? I know there are enough people here that are happy, and I've met them personally, and I've seen their thankful heart to God, and nothing has increased in their life, as it were. They humbly receive, and they are uh, joyful with what they have. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. If the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, then the root of all good is your your ruling over money. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. First <clears throat> Timothy 6, 7 through 11. <clears throat> the root of all good that is contrary to the root of all evil is the decision of a person to make a choice between life and death for the benefit of life which reveals itself in fulfilling the statutes and and instructions of God, which are founded upon the ancient command to cheerfully honor God with your tithes and your offerings, which acts as the root of all evil, love for money. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? It's simple, bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive them. Malachi 3, 7, 10. If we honor God in tithes and offerings with joy, bringing them into the storehouse, then this means that the praise that we bring to God is present within the atmosphere of brotherly love, which moves us from death to life. Third, Third component, call <clears throat> call the Almighty your gold and your precious silver means to consider and value the law of truth more to be desired than gold, which is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, <clears throat> not just the spirit, strengthens the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. When it's saying simple, that means inexperience. It's inexperience. In other places, simplicity is wisdom, but in this place, it's talking about inexperience, so making wise the inexperienced, the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than the fine and precious gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Psalm 19:7 through 11. See what kind of terminology he, this person uses. King David he how he calls the word of god with the greatest uh word the words that he uses to describe it 
And so he talked about not the warriors that protected him, that they're his protection, but his word. God's word is his protection. If the obedience of our faith to the faith of God has become for us more to be desired than gold, that is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, then this means that the praise that we bring to God is is present in the atmosphere of brotherly love, which moves us from death to life. Fourth, delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God means to have a pure heart that seeks God. Because to lift your face to God, or then you, that means you need to have a pure heart. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Genesis 4, 3 through 7. To examine yourself as to whether you have a pure heart is to be done by the gold that we pursue when we bring God an offering of praise. If we bring an offering of praise and seek God, by obeying our faith to the faith of God, then this means that we have a pure heart. And if we have a pure heart, then if we are bringing our offering to God and we seek to fulfill our own desires, so again, if we have a pure heart, then we are bringing our offering to God, then we we fulfill His desires. But if it's the opposite, then we will fulfill our own desires and our heart won't be cleansed from dead works. If obeying our faith to the faith of God has become for us more to be desired than gold, that is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, then this means that the praise that we bring to God is present within the atmosphere of brotherly love, which moves us from death to life. Fifth, the ability to be heard in prayer. Fifth component, the ability to be heard in prayer means... We are building ourselves into a house of God. These components, they build us into a house of God, into the temple of the Holy Spirit. The ability to be heard by heard in prayer means to pray with confidence according to the will of God. If we do not pray with boldness in accordance to God's will, then we cannot be heard by God. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the, of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Believing in the Son of God means obey what the Son of God says. And the Son of God speaks what, uh, to the apostles and the apostles speak to us. And so Christ passed on, gave to his apostles and the apostles passed on to the next and through apostleship he has brought the truth to us today now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him 1 John 5 13-15 we know that means we know that we what we receive, although we may not feel this or see this visibly, but as we prayed according to God's will and we thanked God for it, <clears throat> then we, we know that we've already received it. And when we 
uh, feel it is already God's work and not ours. We just say, thank you, Lord, that we have this. Why? Because we have asked according to your will. And as we asked according to your will, God has heard and given. But people say, well, where is it? God already gave it. And he wants us to say that we already have it. I many times have experienced this in life. When God gave to me, I I proclaimed, if this became known to my surroundings, they began, began to laugh at me. When I proclaimed the house of prayer that I'm preaching now, that this will be our house of prayer, we didn't have money. Uh, the, the, when we just came, the, the the church that we had purchased, actually, and it was a million dollars, and we didn't have that kind of money to purchase that, that uh, church building. And I proclaimed it as our own, and everyone thought it was impossible. And why I proclaimed it is because I obeyed the voice that was in me that spoke these things, where it says we don't have, but we possess all. We don't have, but we possess all. And at this time, the Holy Spirit said, proclaim this house of prayer your own. And we came there just to look at it, how it is. They allowed us to have a service there. Exactly after nine months, we came in as owners. But almost like the entire time of the nine months, it it seemed impossible, but God uh created the uh, the the situation he formed a situation in such a way he he did things to make this possible and it, and made it happen this is the boldness and confidence that we have in him and so when you pray don't wait that you will don't expect it to immediately be felt in your feelings or you'll see it physically. Just know that answer is in the way or God will uh, reveal it when he finds need. To pray with confidence according to the will of God, we need to know that the will of God for us consists in us being able to fulfill our calling, which consists of saving our soul and adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. And to fulfill such a calling, we are called to cast off the old man with his deeds, renew our mind with this, by the spirit of our mind, and clothe our body into the new person. And to achieve this, we need to pray with confidence. Confidence is the power to the right to enter into the presence of God, basing it on two immutable things, where it's impossible for God to lie, which for our soul is like an anchor that is strong and safe. And and us the ability to enter into the Holy of Holies behind the veil. First, to enter into the presence of God with a heart that is cleansed from dead works by the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ. In other words, to enter into God's presence, you need a heart that is cleansed from dead works with the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ. What, what is brought behind the veil? Blood was brought in, and it was sprinkled at the horn of the altar seven times uh, and so the blood would would be brought in and the second is to bring the truth and so the temple is actually our heart is to bring the truth into the heart in the format of the elementary teaching of Christ and the twelve breads and so when you have these two things in your heart the truth about the blood of Christ and the truth about the cross of Christ 
because the cross of Christ, it is in the 12 breads. Then we have boldness and not audacity. If a person doesn't have this boldness or this confidence, then he has audacity. To enter into the presence of God not having these two things is to demonstrate your audacity before the face of God. That fundamentally is different from confidence or boldness and brings us to perdition. If our prayer is brought with confidence or with boldness, then this means that the praise that we bring to God will find itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love which passes us from death to life. Amen. We will bend our knees and our heads and we will pray and may the Lord bless us. I invite all the saints that want to either restore their broken relationship with God because of sin or those who are in need of God's mercy. Fear, uh, they have fear of, of untimely death, of illness, who want to break the uh, bonds of sin, want to be freed from their passions, their desires. The Lord wants to deliver you. We wait for you here at the altar. Amen. Let us pray. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is for you He is not against you He does not condemn you for the sins you've committed because sin has hurt you and He wants to pull you out of the hands of this governing sin He wants to remove all fear and any doubt and fill you with His life with energy, with light Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a a sign that your hands, you are ready to forgive those that have offended you and you are ready to ask for forgiveness if you've offended. Hands are to be without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. I ask you, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. I trust you. I trust my wounded heart. I trust myself. 
to you in my weakness. You see the chains of sin that I'm shackled with. I'm tired of being a slave of sin. I hate sin. May the chains of sin be broken. May the stronghold of death be destroyed in my body. May the in my body the stronghold of incorruption be erected. I accept your forgiveness, your justification, your healing. I accept the stronghold of incorruption in my body. I accept your resurrection and I clothe myself into into your resurrection. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and shows you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May this be fulfilled upon you and and your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. It's very important to never forget that all that we receive, and we receive it in information, sometimes the feelings have nothing to do with it because we haven't yet disciplined our horse. And so don't depend on what you feel, but depend on what you hear and know. May the Lord strengthen you in what you've received and may he make you immovable, strong and may he allow his grace upon each one of you the grace in what you need right now we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.